it, a lot of it comes down to like team building and hiring. So with with our with free up and then also with our first business and now with outsource school, a lot of what we do is we we try to understand the whole business model. We try to understand the teams that go into it, the people we're going to need to actually run the operations and growth of the business, and then we figure out the right processes that need to be handled, and then it kind of comes down to like how we hire that the right people how we get them incorporated into a, a company culture that's 100% remote and how we keep them motivated and keep them moving forward. So Nate and I aren't always pulled into things on a regular basis. We can keep focusing on growth. We can keep focusing on new projects while we know we have this really core team that's handling things for us. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world, others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and I'm live on the line today with Connor Gillivan and Nathan Hirsch. Are you guys there? We're here. Yep. How's it going? Awesome. So glad to have you guys here. Um, for those of you who don't know, Nathan's actually been on the show before. Nathan was uh, um, heading up a company called freeup.com, which recently you guys said got acquired and you guys are starting a new venture together called Outsource School. So um, to start off with, why don't you guys tell me what Outsource School is known for, what you guys are known for, and what is it that uh, people come to you to, uh, to get help with? Uh, cool. I'll take the first one. So when, when we were acquired, when FreeUp was acquired, uh, we were going through a transition period. We were setting up the new owners to be successful. We really liked the new owners and people started asking us how we did it because FreeUp was an eight figure business that had no office, no US employees. It was me, Connor and 35 remote VAs in the Philippines running all day to day operations. And we didn't just wake up one day and hire 35 people and cross our fingers and hope it worked out. We had real systems and processes for interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing them. So we created this course called Cracking the VA Code that goes in depth into those four parts of hiring. And we took it to market. And like any new business, we don't know what the feedback is going to be, but it was overwhelmingly positive and people started asking for more. So we came up with mini courses on how to use virtual or how to hire virtual assistants for podcasts to get on there uh, to do lead generation, do bookkeeping and do different things. And the way we've structured it is that if you buy our main course, Cracking the VA Code, you get a one-year membership to Outsource School where you get access to all our other courses for a year. So that's what we've been working on. And there's also a software component that I'll let Connor explain. Yeah, sure. So with Outsource School, we're also looking to create some tools that will help businesses, help entrepreneurs better manage their remote virtual assistants or just remote teams in general. And so one of the first software tools that we're coming out with is an SOP builder. So 
if you think about hiring and managing a, a large team of virtual assistants or virtual team members, a lot of that goes into it is actually training them, getting them up to speed, onboarding them, and getting them ready to actually handle the role so you can keep focusing on growing the business. And so there's a lot of ways you can do it. There's some other tools out there. Um, we in the past have used like G Drive and, and different things and just kind of hacked it together. And so we wanted to try to make a tool that made it very easy to create text and video SOPs, store them in one place, and then easily share them out to your entire team. So that's gonna be one of the first software tools we come out with with Outsource School, and then we'll kind of build off of that to make it easier to manage your remote team. That is incredibly wonderful, and we're probably gonna have to talk more about that because I'm actually in the process of building an SOP builder um, called Push Button Process, which um, I, because uh, I saw a lot of the same problems, um, but it's not really my core business. So I might have to, uh, uh, we might have to talk a little bit more about some of the things that I would love to see in an SOP builder mm -hmm. because I've got some stuff that we put together that I was like, works great, but I don't wanna build it. So, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, so that's, that's really awesome. Um, so my, my next question for you is your origin story. We talk on this show all the time. Every hero has their origin story where you started to realize that you were different. Maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them to help other people. So how did you guys, and I, I would like to hear from both of you on this. How did you guys get into the entrepreneurial world to begin with? And how did you end up here? Yeah, so I can kind of start. So, I mean, growing up, my parents were both teachers and I always had these jobs where I was working 30, 40 hours a week. And I learned a lot about business and sales and managing people. But I also learned that I hated having a boss. And I kind of knew that I was, if I was going to go into the real world, I was going to be miserable. So when I got to college, I started hustling and I started off buying and selling people's textbooks, competing with my school bookstore, eventually got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off and stop competing with them. And so I pivoted and I had sold some of these books on Amazon and I started doing a lot of trial and error and with sporting equipment and video games and computers before eventually coming across the baby product industry. And for whatever reason, I became really good at selling baby products on Amazon and as I was growing this business, I became overwhelmed. I needed to start hiring people. So I posted a job on Facebook and Connor was the person in my business law class that responded to that ad. And he said, hey, I don't really know what you do. I need a job. And I really hired him without interviewing him very much. And that's really how we got started. And a kind of a funny story off of that is Connor's first day when he was supposed to get started, he texted me and said, by the way, can you pick me up? I don't have a car. And in my mind, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I'm not going to pick him up every day. But those car rides ended up being very essential because we talked business on the way to my house, on the way back from my house. And that's when we built a lot of our relationship and which turned into a business partnership shortly after. That's really awesome. Yeah. And uh, my story is similar too. I, I started in entrepreneurship pretty early on. My, one of my first jobs was working for a cousin who owned uh, his own landscaping business. So I think I was 13 or 14 when I started working with him over the summers and after school and things like that. And I learned a ton from him. I saw him interact with customers. I saw him making money and kind of growing his life and building it how he wanted to without really having to rely on anyone else. And that really struck a chord with me. And so in high school, I, I had some part-time jobs, but then I also kind of started my own lawn mowing business and saw the power of that and saw how you could start something from the ground up. And then like Nate said, once I got into college, I was very similar to Nate, always like, I don't ever want to work for the man. I never want to rely on anyone else. I don't really want to be told what to do. 
I'd rather go out and build things and kind of make my own impact. And so when they post that job, you know, I was always looking for something to put my teeth into. And I don't think either of us could have expected what it's become 10 years later, but you know, that's really how it all got started. We, we met each other, we started working on things. It, it, came, it kind of became infectious for both of us, I think, where, you know, we were pushing each other and challenging each other more and more. And then over the years, um, we, we learned that we could apply in other ways. And that was kind of how we went into free up. And now we're kind of making another transition into outsource school. We're always just trying to find the problems that entrepreneurs are having and then try to solve them in a slightly different way with a big focus on the customer and making sure they're having a good experience. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys have a similar story to mine. My first business was uh, um, I was buying candy wholesale um, at uh, the big <laughs> nice. box store and selling it retail on the campus um, at 13 years old. And I got shut down by the school as well. They told me I couldn't sell <laughs> without a business license. So I tell people I had my first government shutdown at 13. Um, <laughs> nice. Because, you know. <laughs> Uh, but similar kind of uh, kind of start into the business community. So my next question for you has to do with your superpowers, right? Every every um, entrepreneur has their superpowers. What you do or build or offer this world, it really helps solve problems for them. And the way that I've been framing this for my guests lately has been like, if you look at your if you look at your skill sets, like all the things that you guys are really good at, um, I have noticed myself and a lot of my guests have as well that if you look at your set of skills, you have one skill that really sort of energizes and empowers everything else that you do. Right. For me, that's always been, um, and it was something that I didn't realize until just recently, it's systems and processes. That's the thing that I'm really, really good at seeing. Like I see things in systems and all the other skills that I've built all sort of came off of that. Right. My ability to see the systems allowed me to get good at various different things. Um, so it's sort of that one zone of genius that empowers the rest of your skills. So for you guys, what would you say your zone of genius is or your superpower that really helps, you know, build all your skill sets? I think we both have like two or three things that we do very well and we're very good at dividing and conquering. I, I think one thing that, that I'm good at is I, I'm able to, to look at different things and find whatever that bottleneck is and just fix it, figure out a solution for it, whether it's talking to a customer on the phone, whether it's getting a VA to do it, whether it's fixing myself or, or talking to Connor and the other, our affiliate manager, Nada, and just figuring it out. So figuring out where those bottlenecks are in a very short-term mindset of what do we have to fix today, this week to, to keep the business growing. That's awesome. Nice. How about you, Connor? Nice. Um, yeah, off of that for Nate too. I, Nate's really great at talking to people. He, I don't know if we thought he would have been good at this years ago, but he's, he's awesome at like dealing with customers and making sure they're happy and kind of giving them everything that they expect and want. So I would say that's another of his superpowers. Um, for me, I would say it, a lot of it comes down to like team building and hiring. So with, with our, with free up and then also with our first business and now with outsource school, a lot of what we do is we, we try to understand the whole business model. We try to understand the teams that go into it, the people we're going to need to actually run the operations and growth of the business. And then we figure out the right processes that need to be handled. And then it kind of comes down to like how we hire that the right people, how we get them incorporated into a, a company culture that's 100% remote and how we keep them motivated and keep them moving forward. So Nate and I aren't always pulled into things on a regular basis. We can keep focusing on growth. We can keep focusing on new projects while we know we have this really core team that's handling things for us. So I would say that's my superpower. And I've been doing a lot of that lately with Outsource School and it's been a lot of fun. 
Connor has some others as well. He's really good at, at designing websites, uh, working with developers. I know I couldn't manage, with FreeUp, we had to build this platform, this software, and me managing developers didn't go over so well. Connor took that over and, and handled it like a rock star. So we each have two or three things that, that we master. Yeah, that's really, it's really interesting too. And it's like, I'm, I, I, see, I see how those skills really tie into what you guys have been able to build because I'm in the process of doing some of the same things like building, building our team and our staff to get some of our, our projects up off the ground right now. Um, and like particularly the, the stuff about building a remote culture um, is something that I've been, I've been working a lot on recently. And I'm curious if you have any sort of just, you know, high level tips for people who are in that sort of position now where they're working on, you know, I've, I've hired three staff members over the last year and we're working on building that online culture. I think it's going really well. Um, but I'd love to hear if you have any just like high level thoughts on, on how you manage that or what your, some of your, your rules to live by are. I want Connor to take this question, but a little, uh, a little <laughs> background story. So I mentioned I had the, this internship going into college at Firestone, and I, that was the longest job I had. And I had this manager who would talk down to people. He would stress people out. Everyone hated working for him. So when I went to be an entrepreneur and I started hiring people for the first time, that, that's really the only management style that I knew. And, and I kind of acted in that way. And it wasn't until Connor really sat me down and said, hey, Nate, our turnovers through the roof. People hate working with you. You're you're not managing people well. We need to fix this. That we're able to to turn a lot of it around. And I think to Connor's credit, from day one, he's always been about culture. The same thing in year one. The same thing now. We have culture meetings every other week or every month um, that, that Connor leads. So he's definitely the best person to answer this question. But I personally have learned a lot from him. Nice. Um, yeah, a lot, it, it kind of goes and permeates into the, the whole organization, the whole hiring process and the whole management process. So I'll just walk you through a, a few quick examples. So the first thing is anyone we hire is always being hired for culture. So we look for people's skills, we look for their experience, but we really, really look at their values, their personal beliefs, um, and just how they align with how we think and how we do things in the business. I won't hire someone if, if they're the best copywriter in the world, but they have attitude and they, they can't get along with us. I'm not hiring them. I'd rather find someone else that really aligns with us, gets our vision, gets who we are and can work with us. So for me, it starts in that whole interview process. You need to find the right people that align with your values in order to build a good culture over time. And then there's a few other things that go into it. So what's something I've been doing with all our recent hires throughout source school is anytime someone gets hired, they go through an initial onboarding process. And one of those meetings that are in that onboarding process is a culture and team meeting where I share our culture doc with them. Um, and I also share our org chart with them. And I go through the entire team. I go through with the culture, our values, our mission, our vision, and really get them aligned with that so that they understand what the business is all about. And then touch points going forward is a once a month culture and team meeting where Everyone comes together and we talk about different things around the culture and team. And then we also hold a all hands meeting every Monday where Nate and I are giving updates, but we're also just bringing the team together so everyone can interact and meet each other and, and kind of learn more about one another. So it, it, like I said, it permeates through the entire organization and it's just really making efforts to implement it throughout that whole process. So then eventually they're kind of like, a, you know, they are the culture at a certain point. You don't have to really worry about them. And then you put it on their shoulders that as new people come in, they're helping you uh, assimilate them into the culture as well. 
Interesting. So you guys do the, uh, the culture meetings every, you said every other week, and you actually just sort of discuss and do the things. You do that on like something like this on a Zoom platform and you just bring everyone on? Uh, so once a month and we, we do it right through Slack. We just have a, um, a Slack channel where everyone is and we do it through chat. And um, yeah, I mean, we do almost all of our meetings just through Slack chat. Uh, we, we stay away from video or audio calls um, as much as possible. Any particular reason why? Yeah, I can answer that. So uh, a lot of reasons. First of all, you're, you're dealing with a lot of people that are international, getting them all on a Zoom call without internet cutting in and out can be a little bit of a, a nightmare. Um, there's also really great virtual assistants who just don't like being on camera. I mean, Chicky Ann, one of our best hires ever, she is shy. She doesn't like being on camera. And if we required that during our interview and onboarding and stuff, we probably would have missed out to our best hire of all time. Having things in writing when you're dealing with virtual assistants is incredibly important. Um, there's cl a clarity issue where things can get misinterpreted when you're talking on Zoom. Something cuts out for a second and they miss it. And when you have it in writing, it, you, people can reference back to it. And also people that miss the meeting can go through and read the update. So there, there's a more reasons too, but, but that's the basic idea. And, and we found that you really don't need video or audio calls. Now, you can do them here and there if you do an interview and you wanna meet the person face-to-face -face at the end of the interview, have them hop on for five minutes. But like I said, a lot of them are shy. So if you're going to do that, make sure you give them a heads up. Don't just say last minute, oh, by the way, we're doing a Zoom call. So you guys actually do your interviews via chat as well then? And our onboarding, yeah. Yep. That's awesome. I, I never, never even would have considered that. So it's interesting to see that you're here, that you guys are, uh, are doing that. So my other question for you, this might be, uh, this, my answer to this might be no, but is your, is your culture document secret? Is that something you'd be willing to share with, with our audience? Can we have like a copy of it for people who are looking to, you know, have something like that to, to, to put together for their organizations? That's you, Connor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm open to that. It's yeah, not a secret. Same. It's not anything crazy. Um, it's something we teach in the Cracking the VA Code course of how to actually build the culture doc. Um, so yeah, I'd be happy to share ours with you guys so you guys can see kind of what an example looks like. Yeah, we'll have to put a, a link to the uh, the actual course too for uh, <laughs> with it if they want to get more. Um, but it's, okay. it's just really interesting to me because I know we, I, I've just started putting together some of those like thoughts. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see how you guys who are already doing this and have a much larger team than I've got, um, what you guys are actually doing um, on that front. So um, that's really interesting. Like one, I, one of the things that um, we've been doing um, on the culture front is we started a uh, same kind of thing. We have a Slack channel we call the, uh, the weekend channel. And like uh, we, we just encourage all of our staff members to post things that they're doing when they're not at work. Right. And so we got everything from like their kids' birthday parties to like stuff that's going on on the weekends to, you know, crazy stuff that's been going on with the lockdowns in their countries and our country and all over the place. And it's been really interesting to actually like really get to know each other that way. Um, and that's nice. been a, a helpful, helpful thing where um, like we've even got stuff going now. Uh, one of my um, team members bought everyone in the organization a copy of a video game that he was playing. Mm -hmm. So that we've been um, we've been nice. playing that game um, and other things. So it's, it's creating more of a. Um, more relationship than just work product output, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I totally. love it. We do a similar thing where people share pictures of their weekend and stuff like that. And not only is it important to build culture, but it's important to reduce turnover as well. When you get a team that really likes each other and gets to know each other, they want to stick with the company long term. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I want to move on the discussion a little bit and push forward into um, so the the fatal flaw, right? So the other side of the the superpower coin is the fatal flaw, and you know just like Superman had his kryptonite. Um, for you guys, what's something that you have struggled with yourself that you've sort of, you know, beat your head against the wall kind of thing that's held your business growth back? And I think more importantly than that, how have you worked to overcome that in your life? So like for me, it's always been perfectionism. I struggled with perfectionism. It kept me from shipping things because I was always like, I want to tweak just a little bit more and I would never ship. And I had to, I had to hand over a lot of the shipping stuff to someone on my team so I wouldn't let perfection stop me from doing it. So what, what are those sort of fatal flaws for you guys and how have you sort of helped overcome them? So if you go back and you look at every report card I've ever had in school, the feedback says Nate rushes through everything. He goes as fast as he possibly can <laughs> at all times. And business is the same way. I, I go as quick as I possibly can. Um, and, and Connor really balances that very well. He's much more calm, cool, and collective, much more long-term picture. And, and there's pros and cons. Sometimes it's really good to move fast, especially in the era, era we are now where things move quickly and you got to keep up. And other times you need to take a step back and double check things and, and move a little bit slower. So I think that, it, that can be a strength, but a lot of times it's a weakness. And luckily I have Connor to, to balance me out there. My, my, my favorite sort of thought on that is uh, you, you've all heard the thing that money loves speed, but no one ever tossed the other side, right? Money loves speed, but wealth loves time, right? So you sort of have to have both. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, and for me, surprisingly enough, I would say the thing I've struggled with consistently the most over like the past 10 years is actually taking things off my plate. So Nate balances me very well there because he'll yell at me if I have something on my plate for too long and then I pass it off to someone. Um, and I've definitely gotten better at it, but there's still times when I find myself deep inside a process I've created recently and then I'm the one running it and handling it on a day-to-day -day basis. And I just struggle to like pass that off to someone, maybe because of something similar to the perfectionism where I'm like, I'm doing this at such a high level. Could I even eventually trust someone to do this for me? Um, but I've gotten a lot better at it, but still something that mentally I, I, it challenges me from time to time. Yeah, I have, I have that same thing going on. Like I'll build a process and then I'm doing all the work for it. And then like, I don't have anyone telling me I need to let go of it <laughs> at this point. Right. But I like, like that's a, it's a regular thing that I run into. I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to actually get someone else to do it. And then what I find out is like all of my staff members that I've got currently, like if I have them do it, they do it better than I was doing it anyways. So, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so it's le learning to hand things off and let go of it and just sort of swallow your pride and realize that, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the best person to be doing this. My thing is like to build that process and then let someone else run it because I don't do a okay. good job, but I'm the one running it. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, awesome. So I want to talk about your common enemy and your common enemy. I think I want to frame this inside of the outsource school, your clients that you deal with there. Um, and this is like the thing that you struggle with, regularly with when you bring a new client on or a new a new student into the outsource school if you had your magic wand you could just sort of like wave it and remove a mindset that's keeping them from getting better cheaper faster higher degree of results what is that thing you're constantly like man i just wish people would understand this um that you know you're fighting against all the time uh, yeah, to your question. I think everyone that, that is not outsourced has their own reasons. I think one of the most common ones is probably security. People are scared to let go of their baby in general, never mind let go of their baby and put it in charge of someone in the Philippines or outside the U.S. So I think th that's a common one, and I can kind of go into um, what I tell people there. And I think just that, that mindset that you can outsource everything, that you can delegate everything, and kind of the, the mindset that you, if you think you're the only one that can 
do what you do in your business, you're really just not that special. There's someone else that can do it just as well. Um, and I think that that's a common mindset shift where people think, oh, only I can do customer service at this high of a level. And they don't realize that there's someone out there that can do it even better than they can. Yeah, that's nice. very yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, for me, I would say, I feel like the three of us, it seems like are very systems focused, right? When we think of something, we're like, okay, what's the process? How do you break this down? What are the steps? Okay, now how am I going to try to pass it off to someone else? I think uh, an issue or a mindset we run into is someone who's running a really good business, but maybe they're not as system process focused as they could be. And that may be a roadblock they have to get through to actually implement the things we're teaching them at Outsource School. Because if you really want to take it full advantage of it, you have to be thinking about, okay, here's this part of my business. What, what is that step-by-step -step process? Who's the right person that should be taking this over? Okay, now I can implement these interviewing, onboarding, training, managing strategies that these guys are teaching me. If you, if you can't get past that first systems idea or thought process, I think some people might run into issues there and not really see necessarily how it can be worked out in their business. Yeah, I actually had um, a discussion with a, a couple of clients of mine over the past couple of years where they're like, I don't see, I don't see how I can pass off the system that I'm doing. And like, I think the reason for that is a lot of people have gotten really good at the thing they do. And when you get really good at whatever it is that you do, what that, that um, I tell people all the time, you know, between stimulus and response, there's choice. And the closer the stimulus and the response gets, the better you are at something. That's where you get something, when something becomes second nature, that's when the time between stimulus and response is basically non-existent. Um, so when it comes to like learning how to build systems and processes, you have to learn how to separate those two things in your head and see what the stimulus is and what the decisions you're making are. And then you can learn how to, how to document those decisions, right? Like when you get this, this form of stimulus, here's the decisions we're making and why. So you can pass those decision-making things off to someone else on your team. Um, and so when someone's looking at their own systems, they're looking at them and thinking, I, I, they don't see any of the stuff that's happening between stimulus and response because it happens so quickly for them. Um, and when you actually sit down with them and help them break it apart and actually what they're doing, um, then they can turn around and turn that into a system. Um, and that's just like, that's a skill you have to learn how to do. You have to learn how to, how to break apart the decision-making processes that you're going through um, when you go to build systems. So anyways, all that to say, I totally get you. <laughs> <laughs> and just doing it from day one. I think we've kind of gotten in the habit of, okay, as we add something to our plate right away, we're thinking we need to turn this into a process, systemize it, delegate it rather than add it to my plate, do it for a while. And then one day we'll get to turning into a system. It's kind of like a mindset shift. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's one, one of the most important things that I've started doing in my business re recently is like, I'm going to add something new to my business and I immediately start with the process building template. Where it's like, I'm not going to just do something. I'm going to build the process and follow the process through <laughs> um, and document it as I go. Um, because, um, you know, then you can, you, you, have, you end up with a system instead of a second nature skill, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, for and sure. so anyways, I, I totally, totally with you on that, Nathan. It's a, it's a powerful thing to sort of start with the system building process whenever you add something new. Right. Nice. <laughs> so... My next question for you has to do with your driving force, right? So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that you guys fight for at Outsource School? 
yeah, I mean, I think, I think at least coming from, I'll kind of speak for both of us. I think we're on the same page here. Selling on Amazon, it was a great entrepreneurial experience, right? It was our first business. We learned a ton, but selling B2C, selling baby products, I think it got old after a while. And I think B2B was a completely different experience with FreeUp. We, we liked helping other entrepreneurs. We liked helping them scale their business, teaching them what we've learned, and also helping VAs and virtual assistants grow their business and provide for their families. So very similar to Outsource School, we now have the opportunity to teach people things that have worked for us, things that we do in our business every single day and watch their businesses grow from that education and also continue to be in line with helping virtual assistants. We're, we're donating 3% of all sales to our favorite charity, Teach for the Philippines. And we have a lot of great relationships with VAs that, that we refer through FreeUp or, or stay in touch through FreeUp. So it's a way for us to kind of stay in the space and continue to help both parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, to add to that too, we, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I love the lifestyle we live too. We, we run a, an amazing business. We ran free up for four or five years. Our, our team was completely remote. I was able to work from anywhere. Me and Nate don't live in the same place, but we have a great working relationship. Um, same with our, our software developer who was a, a co-founder on free up as well. And same with outsource school. So I really want to, you know, spread this, this ability to do this to other people too. I think a lot of entrepreneurs start businesses and then they feel stuck They're or they feel like they have to get an office or they have to take these steps that almost feel burdensome to them. And so with outsource school, I want to show people exactly how we've done it and kind of give them the power and, and empower them to be able to do it themselves too. So that's a lot of what I want to try to build with outsource school and find people, you know, hundreds, eventually thousands of people that, kind of go down this route with us and, and eventually find themselves in a similar lifestyle, similar business. Yeah, off of that, it's been super rewarding with FreeUp. I mean, I can't tell you how many people came to me, oh, I've never hired before, I'm scared to do it, or I've had so many issues hiring VAs, and then whatever, months later, a year later, whatever it is, they're like, oh my God, this is addicting, this is awesome, I have freedom, I have my life back, I can now scale my business, I now see a long-term vision I didn't see before. Uh, to me, that, that's incredibly motivating and rewarding, and to both of us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing because like I, uh, I realized I was at a mastermind group a couple of years ago now, um, and I was showing them everything I was doing in my business. And one of the guys there, um, who I look up to a lot, looked at me and was like, "You're doing really great work, but you're your own biggest bottleneck." And he's like, "He's like the thing that I want you to do between now and the next time that we meet is like he was like you hire someone or basically I'm gonna bitch slap you." He didn't say that, but that's essentially the mentality. It was <laughs> <Nice>. like <laughs> it's like you must hire someone and do some do, do this stuff with your business. And what's interesting is I did that and my business exploded, right? Because suddenly you go from like with, with a couple of things. If you have if you have a team in place and you have your documents, your, your systems documented in place, now you can take one hour of work and get 10 hours of output, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's like really, really minor, right? So I say it that way because people will believe that, but like literally I can put it in hours worth of work and thousands of hours get done over the course of time because you have systems in place. Um, and what's interesting to me is like, that's what allows you to have freedom in your business. And a lot of people are building businesses because they want to have some sort of freedom, right? Time, freedom, location, freedom, financial freedom, whatever it is, it's generally one of those three or all three of them combined. And it's like my, my business has given me all of those things because I started to hire people. Um, right. So anyways, I, I, I love your mission because I wish more people could see what it takes and realize like, cause I remember one of the fears I had was if I hire people, 
what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm actually making my business less free, right? I don't want to have, um, you know, office space and like, I have to have mm -hmm. like uh, all the different, like false things people think about having a team, um, right? It actually increases the freedom level in your business, right? It allows you to focus on the things that you're good at. It allows you to have more time to do the things that you love. So anyways, I, I'm really excited for what you guys are doing and I hope you guys uh, knock it out of the park with Outsource School um, because I think more businesses need to, to do what you guys are teaching. Yeah, and I think even if you look at FreeUp, our internal team, they were billing us like 2,000 hours a week. Connor and I couldn't work that many hours if we wanted to. So there comes a certain point when you grow a business that you just can't do it without that help. And you have the flexibility of hiring remote. I mean, you don't have to have that office. You can get access to talent all over the world, not just your town and the towns around you at different skill sets, different price points. You don't have to hire full-time. You can hire part-time. You can hire project-based. We, we just hired someone five hours a week. We have a bookkeeper that's five hours a month. You can hire for whatever your business needs, not necessarily everyone full-time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I really love that, that, that idea too, of like you guys were being billed 20, or 2000 hours a week. Can you imagine like someone on their own trying to get 2000 hours of work done in a week? It's not even possible. Right. So yeah, um, it, it's, it's sort of a, a groundswell of, of getting stuff done and getting things moved forward. So next question for you is more on the practical side, right? I call this your hero's tool belt, right? Maybe you got a mag big magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your uh, neighborhood police officer but what are some of the practical tools you guys use to build and manage your business? Things that you like, we couldn't live without these today to, you know, either to build, hire, manage, work with your team, work with your clients. Um, some of, you know, top one, two or three tools that you guys just, you couldn't live without. Uh, Slack is a good one. I mean, we do all of our meetings there. We communicate there. Um, one tool that, that I use, I think I use it a lot more than Connor is WordBoard, which is a cool app on your phone that I have everything programmed into. Um, so every single response, every single potential question that someone could ask, I just have it there. So I don't have to type everything out um, over again. Uh, I use yet another mail merge, which is a great tool for emailing podcasts, emailing leads. We were actually talking about that in our lead generation course. We've been using that tool uh, going back to our Amazon business when we were reaching out to, to manufacturers uh connor i know you have a bunch more yeah um trello is a huge one we're using with outsource school and we're setting up every single system every single team every single role through trello and managing everything there so that one's huge i don't think we'd be as organized if we weren't using that um i'm trying to think of some other ones that are good yeah, I mean, that's, I can't think of yeah, Slack, a huge one. Yeah, Trello I'm, and Slack are I'm a huge, biggest. huge fan of Trello. We manage all of our processes in Trello. Um, I actually nice. just taught a, a three-hour class the other day on how to build systems and processes and use Trello as a management platform for it. Um, so that's, uh, it's, it's super cool once you sort of learn how to actually use it and how you, uh, how you, how you move, move stuff from one end to the other and actually get it done. Um, everyone can sort of have a view into what's going on. So... Next question for you, your own personal heroes, right? Just like Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who were some of your own personal heroes? Were they real life mentors, speakers, or authors, peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you guys have accomplished in your lives this far? 
Yeah. I mean, for me, it's my parents. I mean, they kind of taught me finances from a, a very young age. My mom, my parents were both teachers, but my mom started a nonprofit. And, and I remember when she got into that venture, a nonprofit kindergarten, she started it at a small location and I saw her upgrade multiple times. I also saw the good, the bad, and the ugly of having an awesome board, a bad board. Um, I mean, both of them spent their entire life saving, 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 and teaching me the value of, of money and hard work. And now they're retired and traveling the world and enjoying life. So um, I, I'll always look up to that. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, mine in, in real life at first for being an entrepreneur was my cousin that I was mentioning earlier, just seeing him build his own business, work with customers, hire people, get married, start having kids, afford all of it through his own business. That was definitely a huge inspiration for me. Um, I'm also a, a crazy reader. So I've read biographies on hundreds of entrepreneurs and inventors and, and people that kind of think in different ways throughout history. So I've got a lot of people that I look to up to in that way as well. Um, but okay, so now yeah. what I want you to do is just list every one of them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All 100, yeah. All 100. <laughs> Send you a picture right, yeah, of we my, got time. my bookshelf, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so just off the top of your head, um, what's your favorite biography you've ever, written, you've ever read? Um, so starting out as an entrepreneur, real young, Steve Jobs, that one was really big for me. I like Walter Isaacson. I think he's a great author. He's written like Benjamin Franklin, um, and one about just about Silicon Valley and everyone involved there too. So I would say, say I like him a lot and I like Jobs. That was, that was a big one for me when we were first getting started. Awesome. Awesome. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll get some links to books like that for some, if someone wants to pick up a good biography to get started. Nice. So I want to bring it home for our listeners a little bit and talk about guiding principles. Um, so top one or two principles or actions that you put into practice every single day that you think contribute to the success and influence that you guys have enjoyed over the course of your many businesses. Maybe something you wish you had known or wish you would be implementing when you first started out in the, your, your business career. I don't know about wish we'd implemented. I, I think just a, there's a certain level, level of accountability that Connor and I just have for each other. Like when we say something's going to get done, it gets done. There's also an element of brainstorming and new ideas and hearing each other out. And I think those are just some values that, that we have that we had from the beginning that we continue to have now. And it's really the, the foundation of our success and how we built up so much trust is when we, hey, we say we're going to do something, it gets done. When we start brainstorming an idea, we can each pick apart the good ones, the bad ones, and get started on execution um, and really come together very quickly. I, I know I'm all about speed, but we have the ability to have a 10, 20 minute conversation about something we're not on the same page on and, and quickly get on the same page and move forward. Nice. Yeah, kind of off of that. One of, so one of our biggest values with free ups culture and with outsource school now is just maintaining a very high level of communication with Nate and I, with our other partners now, and then with the entire team and holding everyone to the same exact standard. So we don't have the luxury of walking into an office every day and being able to you know, walk over to someone and have a, a little conversation or have meetings where different ideas get thrown about. So high level of communication has always been huge for us. I think every single day I hold all the people I work with to that standard. You know, if, if you're gonna miss a meeting, you have to shoot us a message. If you do miss a meeting and you don't let us know, there better be a pretty good explanation if you're missing meetings multiple times, that's a big reason why we let people go because the communication, you know, and just being on time isn't there. And it also comes down to, you know, me and Nate communicating with the team, letting them know what's going on with the business, letting them know about the culture, letting them know about what we care about. 
Um, and then also me and Nate staying in communication. We live on opposite sides of the country, but we make time for, like Nate said, brainstorming, for going through different processes and systems, for going through roadblocks and making sure that we're both on the same page and, and really moving in the right direction. So I think that's something we, we do on a daily basis and it really makes a huge difference for what we're able to do with the company and how we've grown companies in the past too. Awesome. So just sort of off of that, I have, I have a specific question because I'm, I'm curious mm -hmm. on this myself. How, how do you guys time meetings when you have time zones all over the world, right? So like most of my <laughs> team is exactly 12 hours opposite of where we are. So I'm just curious, yeah. where, where do you guys pick meeting times? Yeah, I mean, all this is in the expectations up front. Like for FreeUp, for example, we had plenty of VAs that worked nine to five. We had some VAs that worked eight to 12 a.m. and p.m. And other people were a little bit more flexible. But when we first hire someone, assuming they're full time, we'll say, hey, we have a meeting every Monday at 10 a.m. Uh, please confirm you can do that. And if before we hire someone that's U.S. time or non-U.S. time, we make sure that they're 100% good with the schedule. So it's a little bit more just on the front end, making sure everyone's good for it. I mean, Connor and I aren't going to wake up at 3 a.m. to do a meeting. So everyone else kind of has to adjust to our time, but they know what they're getting into up front. Yeah. We, awesome, we also yeah. try to, we also try to set times for meetings and then hold it to that time forever. So it's never like ad hoc. Okay. Can everyone meet at 4 PM Eastern? It's right. Like, all right, these are the meetings. We have three of them every single week. They're at these times, put them in your calendars, make sure you can attend them be on time. And that's, that's the meetings. That's how, that's how they run. Awesome. That's a, uh, a good little uh, just thing to think about because I've been, I've been struggling with that myself is like, how do we, you know, is it like, you know, I'll see to my parents, hey, we should all get together and have a meeting. And then you have to figure that out. It's like, no, you need to have a regular, like it happens this time. Everyone knows when it is and they can show up. Um, and so you, you hire with that expectation in mind. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that basically wraps up the interview. I have a couple last little things we do here. Um, last one here is called the Heroes Challenge. And Heroes Challenge is simple. Um, it's basically this. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come on our show and share their story with our audience? I got one, Connor. That's a good one. Okay, um, shoot. <laughs> so, so one of our first hires with our Amazon business, his name's Chris Mead. And he was probably, mm. besides Connor, he was the, one of the only like really good college kids that we hired. Everyone else ended up being a little bit unreliable. And so he worked for us for a while. When we moved to Florida, we got an office. He decided to not move to Florida and go, I think he got another job. And then he decided to start his own business, um, creating a product called CrossNet, which is a, a four-way volleyball. It's kind of like a combination of four square and volleyball. Uh, similar or competitor to spike ball that you can play on the beach. And so we heard about that idea and he's been building it and he, he actually uses our, our podcast outreach formula to, to get on podcast now. And we've been following his venture and I believe he's on pace to do eight figures this year in like year two or three of his company. So one of our, our yeah, first yeah. employees at our Amazon business is now doing eight figures to me to, and to both of us. That's really cool. So, you know, what's fun about that. I just interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. Um, and and <laughs> so awesome. we'll, we'll link, we'll link that, that interview here in this one, but yeah, I, um, they're on, on pace to do eight figures. I got to talk to him and what they're doing. Um, and we hooked him up with some of uh, our e-com stuff where they're, uh, they're working on, on potentially um, hitting that, uh, that 10 million mark, which is super cool. And I didn't, didn't realize that uh, he came out of your organization a couple of years ago. So that's, that's really, uh, really cool. It's such a small world. Um, yeah. And really cool product that they're uh, they're they're selling over there. Um, 
So anyways, at this point, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Where can people find you if they want to um, pick up and learn a little bit about hiring team members for their own organizations? Yeah, so I'm more of the contact point. I'm pretty easy to contact uh, Nathan Hirsch on Facebook or LinkedIn, uh, Real Nate Hirsch on Instagram and Twitter. I love connecting with other entrepreneurs, so feel free to, to reach out to me. Uh, go to Outsource School. We have a lot of really cool free stuff. We have a productivity course that you can spend one hour taking, and it'll make you an hour faster every single day. We have a VA calculator that helps you figure out your VA budget up front. We have a case study that shows you our exact hires in your one, two, three, four free ups. You can see how we mapped it out. And we also have our main course, Cracking the VA Code, that you get a one-year membership of Outsource School and really our support, our community to help you scale your business using VAs. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, both of you guys. Um, last thing before we go, do you have a, uh, just a final piece of wisdom for the audience before we hit this uh, stop record button? Yeah, I do. Unless Connor has something, but um, I do too. Now, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, now now's a, a tough time for a lot of businesses, and everyone is affected differently. I think an important thing is to communicate with your team, whether they're in person, whether they're remote. If you're someone that's had success in your business for the past five, the past ten years and you're running into hardship, now is the time to support your team, to keep them on payroll, to help, to even give them options if it comes to that of reducing pay or reducing hours. And if you're someone that can't afford to keep people on, which we're all in a different spot, check in with your people, see how they're doing, try to get them another job, get them a referral, get them a connection. And I think a lot of people, a lot of businesses are gonna be judged on how they treat people during this time. And if I'm a VA, I'm a freelancer, I'm looking for a job after all this is over, the first question I'm asking every single client, every single employer is, how did you treat people? How did you treat your team What during COVID-19? And I think the businesses that treated people well, that continued to pay people or communicated or actually cared for their well-being are going to have a huge competitive advantage going forward. Absolutely. Nice. I'm going to go off the whole systems processes theme that we've had this whole uh, podcast and just challenge anyone who's listening to sit down for an hour or two, you know, block it out in your calendar, get, get together with your co-founder or your business partner and run through your business and just find all the places that you could actually take off your plate or that you need someone to run. Um, I do that from time to time, maybe once a month or so. And it surprises me every single time because we're constantly building things. And then I don't realize they're on my plate or I don't realize they're on Nate's or we've created and someone isn't even handling it. And then we can actually go out and create a plan to hire for it or to build a better system for it. So I would challenge whoever's listening to actually take an hour to get off the computer um, and, and go try to brainstorm that. I bet it will help them in the long run. Absolutely. That is, uh, I completely agree with that. Um, it'll make a huge <laughs> difference in your business. Um, and to your point, Nathan, um, that was one of the things that uh, I actually... My, some of our VAs actually reached out to me and thanked, thanked me for how we were handling the whole COVID-19 situation. They were, and I remember one of them specifically said, I feel like you're fighting for us. And that makes a huge difference in how, how we're doing. And I, um, it's, it's really cool to see that, you know, you guys are doing the same thing um, and how important that's going to be going forward um, to hiring staff members. And um, I think it, it helps draw the, you know, we talked about culture a bit earlier, draw and keep the culture good. Um, when it's obvious that the people at the top of the company really care about the workers, understand that the workers are the ones that make the business what it is. Exactly. So, agreed. Absolutely. So, again, thank you guys so much for coming on.